Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, November 18th. What did we learn from today's pro tennis matches? That it always helps to be six foot six, particularly when you're playing indoor hardcourt matches. Of course, that is an allusion to our two winners in our ATP Tour Finals matches in London, Daniil Medvedev, Alex Virov, both emerging victorious. We'll talk about how they managed to secure those victories on today's podcast. Of course, it wasn't just those two. Chris Eubanks, Alan Karatsev, both pretty big boys as well. They were winners in our Challenger Tour match on Wednesday. Want to talk a little bit about that and then talk about some of these storylines going on in the professional tennis world, not on the court right now, not get into too much depth because I think they're both storylines that will require one of our expert guests, but just want to bring them to the attention of all of you Cracker Rackets fans. Of course, something we bring to the attention of all of you fans each and every day here on this podcast. The fact that we are so grateful for the continued support of all of you listeners of our Patreon family. Sincerely, It means the world to us that we have an audience out there that's responsive to all the different things we try here at Cracked Rackets. But of course, we wouldn't be able to do that without the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com. Use the promo code Cracked15 so that you can start living that look good, feel good, play good lifestyle that we fully endorse here at Cracked Rackets. But with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about Wednesday's matches, and let's, of course, start with the ATP Tour Finals in London. We'll preview uh, Thursday's matches at the end, but we'll go chronologically, which means we have to start off with Alex Virev's victory here in London today. Zverev securing a three-set win over Diego Schwartzman, 6-3, 4-6, 6-3. Now, of course, you know our policy here on Alex Virev at Cracked Rackets at this point. We don't want to talk about him unless we absolutely have to. And so again, we'll stick to the tennis perspective because it would be disingenuous to what? Ignore his matches. If some of you believe we should just be ignoring his results, please tell me why you feel that way. I I do want to hear that case because, you know, obviously the sin he has committed is egregious. If it's true that he was both physically and mentally abusive of his ex-girlfriend, there is no reason he should be on the court right now. And we have talked about that at many different stages on this podcast over the past couple of weeks. But the fact that he is on court means that was some of the tennis we saw and today he was good enough to win a three set 6-3-4-6-6-3 win over Diego Schwartzman now if you are a fan of long rallies physical tennis this match featured that in spades you look at the breakdown of the points in this match you know any point on that went under five shots it likely meant Zverev was hitting a big first serve and a big plus one ball and he had a lot of success with that play he is becoming a better and better volleyer certainly 
Valley uh, being more comfortable even serving and volleying when the time calls for it and that plus one drop volley combo uh, seems to be really working for him right now so you know he was plus 20 52 to 32 in those under five shot rallies but you look over five shots it was a uh, a 48-42 advantage for Diego Schwartzman in this match again you know featured so the, the biggest difference what that shows is Alex Vera's first serve was the biggest difference in this match he had the ability to play plus one tennis to keep points short you look at his winners to unforced errors 30 winners to 38 unforced errors in this match now of course uh, that's compared to 21 uh, winners 26 unforced errors for Diego Schwartzman but Alex Vera just had the biggest weapons in this match the, the match was on his racket and again uh, the fact that he was able to win free points that made the difference when there were so many long physical rallies both players you know Schwartzman trying to get Zverev stretched to that forehand side and attack Zverev wanting to go to the backhand corner of Schwartzman so that he could open up the court with his inside in inside out forehand combos or I suppose inside out inside in is really the way he works that in it was a really fun match to watch from the tennis standpoint again reprehensible to watch Alex Zverev do anything right now but uh certainly conflicted feelings I'm sure the one the same ones I'm feeling so many of you uh have to be feeling out there or maybe you aren't and if you aren't credit to you but you know he was the better tennis player in this match the first serve I mean I talk about the biggest weapon his average first serve speed 135 miles per hour Diego Schwartzman 105 miles per hour even when Zverev spinning in second serves 95 miles per hour to Schwartzman's 86 you know you look at the first serve percentages in this match. Schwartzman making 63% to Zverev. 73% it just wasn't good enough. Zverev was that little bit better. Uh, Diego Schwartzman certainly played really, really well in this match, but Zverev just has more weapons, more things he can do at his disposal, and so he gets the victory in this match. And I will say, it's a little bit of... uh, that's not how I want to phrase it. I, it's not that it's a shame because he brought this on himself, but certainly one can acknowledge the reality that Alex Zverev is more likely than not playing the best tennis of his career right now. I mean, the two weeks he ripped off in Cologne to make the finals in Paris and just on an indoor hard court where he's at physically with his first serve, what he's able to do free points-wise. Of course, he's still got all of those baseline skills. He really is becoming a better volleyer and how someone can be as successful with overheads in such disadvantageous positions and struggle so much on a second serve. It's a paradox I will never understand. But, you know, Zverev gets the win here. Now he's going to play Novak Joe in a uh, pick or in a winner take all, I should say, round robin match to see who advances to the semifinals. Of course, Zverev won this event two years ago, and he's still in a position to do just that. Unfortunately, Diego Schwartzman now eliminated from these year on finals. But of course, uh, I think we all can agree it has been such a fantastic season. For Diego Schwartzman, no hard feelings for this loss here. Again, he played really well. 21 winners against 26 unforced errors. 13 of 16 at the net. By the way, Zverev, 19 of 30 at the net. But, you know, he was right there. He really was. He absolutely had chances in this match. You want to get more granular. You know, Schwartzman gets the early breaks. Zverev then breaks for two, uh, breaks back for two all, gets the break for 4-2, holds on to that break uh, to take the 6-3 set. Of course, Zverev goes up a set and a break, had break chances. I think love 40 to go up 4-1 in the second set, and Schwartzman just kept fighting. And of course, you know, uh, Zverev unable to break 3-2 game. He's serving up in that second set. Hits four forehand errors to get broken, four 
back on serve three on Schwartzman rides the momentum from there. I mean, he used his speed. He used his aggression. This was a really fun match, but ultimately Alex Virov again advancing. We're now, as I mentioned, that it's going to be elimination a match for him against Djokovic as Novak Djokovic loses for, I think, something like the ninth time, something, you know, it's it's a very few amount of times. In fact, I can do the math for you real quick. Novak Djokovic, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, uh, 15 losses in his career at the World Tour Finals, one of them coming today against Daniil Medvedev. And it wasn't just a loss. It was a straight set loss to Daniil Medvedev, 6-3, 6-3. And I don't think it's hyperbolic to say Medvedev out Djokovic, Djokovic in this match. He was just so solid from start to finish. I mean, 20 winners against 12 unforced years. Do you know the sort of patience, speed, discipline, kind of pull the horseshoe out of your luck you have to have to only commit 12 unforced errors against Novak Djokovic. I mean, that's an incredible performance for Daniil Medvedev. And I, I say this every time. Why is it helpful to be six foot six? Because then you get to average a first serve speed of 126 miles per hour. You get to, when you're up big in games, because you hit a couple of big first serves or you're down 30, 40, you get to hit two first serves instead of a second serve. And so you can average, you know, 104 miles per hour on the second serve. But, you know, the game that comes to mind, that 5-3 game, Medvedev serving for the match, all five points he hits, I think he only missed one first serve on the five points, so he hit five total serves, but all of them were first serve type serves, right? It was him going for broke down the tee or out wide, just trying to use that first ball to create any sort of offensive chances for himself and you know the fact that he was able to create a few more free points than Novak Djokovic that was the difference in a first set that was so so physical and I mean both of these guys, you don't want to hit to the outer thirds because the moment they're in the outer thirds, now you're playing their games. Now you're improvising. Now they get to use their length, their speed, their defensive capabilities. And it was Djokovic who felt the pressure to attack, who was starting to physically wear down earlier in points than Medvedev and just left some approach shots in the middle of the court. Not exactly the middle, but it was closer to the middle third than it was the alley. And against Daniil Medvedev, you have to get that approach shot in an advantageous position because if you give him any sort of time and space, he's going to hit a one or two shot pass combo, dip that first one at your feet. You're going to leave a, a, you know, a drop volley sitting up. He's going to put that ball away. And we saw him do that on multiple different occasions in this match. And he just used his length to create so many different free points. At one point, I think it was the three all game in the first set, uh, love all point. He hits like an Eastern open grip forehand return, then an on the run backhand down the line passing shot for a winner. And you're like, how many guys on tour could pull that off against Novak Djokovic two three maybe and I mean he's one of those guys he has those sorts of skills and it was just it was really impressive to see he really was the better player in the outer thirds of the court and you know Djokovic tried to attack the Medvedev forehand but it just didn't break down in this match and the down the line slaps were working the inside out slaps were working his backhand just stayed low and deep and kept the points at neutral he played the Djokovic backhand to a draw which is probably the most difficult thing to do in professional 
professional tennis over these past, I don't know, 12 years, uh, that, no, I guess 10 years that Novak Djokovic has really been Novak Djokovic. And I mean, again, 20 winners against 12 unforced errors in this match. He makes uh, 68% of his first serves, wins 79% of those points, but more impressively, 61% of his second serve points against Novak Djokovic. He was able to play a little bit of offense on the Djokovic second serve going, uh, holding Djokovic, I should say, to 43% on those second serve points. And so, again, just from top to finish, Djokovic was outclassed. Medvedev was the better player. And, you know, there were five double faults for Djokovic. They snuck in at the end of the first set and at the beginning of the second set. But just Daniil Medvedev stayed locked in. And it's so funny because against and this is rude to them, I apologize, but against lesser opponents. I think it's fair to say Daniil Medvedev has separated himself from the average ATP player that most of the other opponents are lesser opponents. You can see him get impatient. He starts to get a little slap happy. He'll go for shots when he shouldn't. In this match, it was pure instinct. It was pure, I'm going to make the extra ball. I'm going to make this match a track meet, and it's why I think he has matched up so well with Djokovic over the years. So, I mean, this was such an impressive win for Daniil Medvedev, who wins the group, clinches his spot in the semifinals. He becomes the seventh player to have defeated Novak Djokovic three times when he was world number one. The other guys on that list, RBA, Stan, Del Potro, Federer, Murray, and Nadal, who's done it the most at eight times. That's some pretty good company to join if you're Daniil Medvedev, of course, for Medvedev again. As I mentioned earlier, one of what was it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven players to have beaten Novak Djokovic at the ATP Finals, one of only 15 losses for Djokovic. For Novak Djokovic, by the way, nine losses at the ATP Finals between 2007 and 2011, two losses between 2012 and 2017. That's freaking nuts. And then four losses from 2018 to now. That comes from Enrico Maria Riva, who I believe we're going to have on the podcast pretty shortly, but uh, that's just awesome. Uh, I mean, I mean, it speaks to how well Daniil Medvedev played in this match. And again, now Djokovic versus Zverev in elimination match. Uh, Zverev beating Djokovic in that tour finals in 2018 when he won this event. Uh, certainly from a tennis perspective, that is a match we can all look forward to. But those were Wednesday's battles. Let's now look ahead a little bit to those battles we can expect on Thursday. And I talked about them a little bit on our GSP Ace the day. So hopefully you all are listening to that and playing along with our friends at DraftKings. But let's start with our first elimination event of the uh, match of the event. Rafael Nadal, Stefano Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas, the defending champion. Nadal looking for his first championship at these year-end finals. And of course, this is a rematch from last year's round robin where Nadal defeated Stefano Tsitsipas 6-7, 6-4, 7-5. And honestly, I think that's the sort of tennis we can expect tomorrow. Now, Rafael Nadal looked really really good comprehensive victory in his first match over Andre Rublev and in that 6 and 6 battle against Rafael Nadal he, uh, against Rafael Nadal against Dominic Team excuse me he looked just as good you know that vit match probably the highest level of tennis we have seen during this 2020 season and you know there's no reason to expect it. at a surface level a lefty serving and playing with the sort of topspin Nadal does to the one-handed backhand of Tsitsipas if it works against Federer there's certainly no reason to think it's not going to work again against Tsitsipas and you know he's five and one in his career now 
you know, only two and one when they've played, or excuse me, three and zero oh when they've played on hard courts. The one win for Tsitsipas coming three sets in Madrid last year. Uh, but three of their six matches have gone to three sets. One of their match in Canada 2018, that final second set breaker for Tsitsipas, felt like he might actually take that second set. And of course, that was the breakout dream run for Tsitsipas at a Masters event that 2017 Canada. I remember watching that final from the Cincinnati press room, but. The point being, Stefano Tsitsipas is not afraid of Rafael Nadal. He knows what he has to do. He needs to be aggressive, not afraid to take chances, take down balls down the line on both the forehand and, you know, on the backhand side down the line to the Rafa backhand, but also needs to be willing to attack the Rafa forehand, go down the line with his forehand, take that ball early, cut it off, and force Rafa to hit the passing shot. And look, Rafa's going to hit a couple of on-the-run forehand winners. He did against Dominic Team as well, but you just have to stick to the script stick to the playbook if you're Stefano Tsitsipas. Now, it's interesting to note in the matches they've played, you know, for uh, Rafa on serve in all the matches, uh, except for the one he won, uh, except for the one he lost, excuse me, he was over uh, 70% on his first serves against Tsitsipas. So clearly that is the recipe. First serve to the Tsitsipas backhand, plus one forehand to the Tsitsipas backhand, then he gets to work his forehand patterns, which we've seen so many times. The X factor will be how does Tsitsipas' backhand hold up under the pressure. But again, this is an indoor hardcourt match, and Tsitsipas is one more year confident and just, you know, one more year experienced and more physically developed than he was when he took Rafa three sets last year. I think this match goes the distance. I'm leaning Rafa, but at the same time, Tsitsipas is the defending champion at this event, and we saw him fight off a match point, albeit via double fault from Andre Rublev. But he is a fighter through and through. I expect it to be a battle. Should be a really fun elimination match. And then, of course, Dominic Team already clinching his spot in the semifinals. But he'll take on Andre Rublev for the fifth time in their careers. 2-2 head-to-head battle. Rublev knocking off Team in Vienna a few weeks ago. 7-6-6-2 now. It's tough, right? There's not really motivation for Dominic Team in this one. He does have tomorrow off, but he already clinched the group. He already clinched his spot in the semifinals more than anything. Stay rested, stay healthy, heading into the final at this or into the semifinal round. At the same time, money, pride, ATP Player of the Year status, as I've talked about before. I think these guys are probably the two leading contenders for the award. And you know Andre Rublev's going to come out swinging, right? You know he does not want to leave this uh, event in London without at least one victory to his name. I don't know. I mean, look, Rublev's won the last two matchups between these two, but, you know, 6-6 uh, six and six was one Rublev win. Team won a match, 5-7, 7-5, These matches are always battles, and it often comes down to who can make more of their first serves in that match in Vienna. On uh, Dominic Team only made 43% of his first serves. think it's safe to say he's going to be a little bit better in this match tomorrow. At the same time, is there a world where he goes down an early break in both sets and is like, you know what? I'm good. Andre, congratulations. You win this match. Enjoy your offseason. I'm going to go prepare for the semifinals. That's very possible as well. Dominic Team doesn't tank, though. He doesn't have that bone in his body, so I expect him to come out swinging tomorrow. I think he has the firepower to, you know, expose the lack of, again, elite lateral movement for Rublev, but I thought that in Vienna as well, and Andre Rublev had enough firepower, took advantage of the big backswings of the Dominic team and took it to him. This is not Vienna, though. 
This is the year-end finals. I think we're going to get a different Dominic team. Thus, I think we get a slightly different result. Either way, will be a very fun Thursday in London. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Of course, we also have some challenger action going on this week. Three challengers across the globe. Let's start with the tournament in Orlando. And let's start with an All-American battle. Dennis Kudla, 4-4 four four over Patrick Kipson. Kipson, the former Kalamazoo champion, the former Texas A&M standout. He was injured a lot of these past two seasons since he turned pro after that 2018 NCAA, his freshman year. But, I mean, talk about a ball striker. When he has time to set up his forehand and backhand, ball absolutely explodes off of his strings. And I think he's got really good hands as well. Nice variety. He's comfortable moving forward, comfortable going short angle, going down the line, the backhand a little bit flatter than the heavy topspin forehand. But I don't love, and I mean, he's been injured a lot, right? So it's still working on that. But clearly movement right now, the biggest issue for him. And Dennis Kudla just exposed that fact. Outer thirds, the discipline, going down the line, taking ball early. It just exposed the fact that, and these conditions in Orlando, I mean, it, it's it's windy very very gusty monsoon like conditions and so the ball is swirling and obviously you got to move your feet that much more and Dennis Kudla so much momentum so much confidence on his side did all the things you want to do uh, in terms of again taking the ball early and just being in the right positions and taking advantage of the wind moving in forward when the wind was on his back and Kipson did a really good job of that as well but ultimately Dennis Kudla just too solid got Kipson stretched to the outer thirds I like where Kipson is heading into the offseason. Again, you can't teach that sort of contact point. You can always become a better athlete, become a better mover. Now, there are limits to how good you can get, of course, at that as well. But I still like uh, Patrick Kipson's upside. I still think he has a lot of untapped potential. Nevertheless, very good win for number two seed Dennis Kudla. Your other results on the day, Chris Eubanks, biggest weapon on the court with his ace, uh, with his ace, with his serve. Hey, great shot to me. Two and one victory over Maria. Gunas Swarin, 5-7-7-5-2-0, walkover in the third over Wu. And then Dimitri Popko, 7-5-1-6-7-5, over the Svida man, 17-year-old American, Zachary Svida. I've tweeted about him a lot. I'm going to save this because I imagine we're going to have, again, Mike Cation on the podcast sometime next week, hopefully. But I'm all in on this fight, man. I tweeted this out. I'm going to say it on the podcast as well. All the love Brandon Nakashima got this summer, that's going to be Zach's fight next summer. I mean, he's three inches taller. The ground strokes are popping now. He can create some easy pace. He was serving and volleying. The the first serve is a weapon. The second serve still hangs. He hits it like a short person still, and he's going to work on that. Um, But... I just think the forehand, the backhand, his hands, his floor as a player reminds me a lot of a young Tommy Paul in that there's just a lot of things to like about him. And I don't think he jumps off the screen as much as Tommy Paul did in terms of as a as a young athlete, but the shot selection, the discipline he has, uh, more developed than a 17-year-old Tommy Paul. And so, uh, you know, Tommy in the top 50 now, I 
I'm all in on the Spider-Man. I'm very, very excited for his future. He loses this match to Dmitry Popko, but he competed so well, handled the elements, fought after being down an early break in the first. Very, very impressed by the Spider-Man. Nevertheless, it's Popko who advances to the quarterfinals. Now, tomorrow, we have the second half of our round of 16. Six Americans in action. You've got number 18, Mackie McDonald, taking on Elias Yimmer, unseated Brandon Nakashima, a favorite, according to odds makers, against number one seed, Diego Montiero. You've also got a battle of the roommates, former roommates for Tangelo and Kruger, and Alex Richard, the former UVA standout, taking on former TCU standout, Nick Chappell. So, of course, it's going to be a fun day with Mike Cation and the crew in Orlando, in the Challenger in Italy. Your winners on the day, Muller, Karatsev, Huang, Geo, and Mahak. You had uh, Thomas Mahak, 7-6-7-6 over Luca Nardi. Mahak, the young Czech player, really strong uh, here down the home stretch. I believe he was uh, lost in the final last week in the Challenger to Max Martyr. I believe won a Challenger earlier this season as well. So the 20-year-old really coming on strong here uh, in this 2020 season. Karatsev, speaking of which, knocking off. Max Martyr, 6-2, and two. Uh, and again, Gao, Huang, Muller, all victors as well. In terms of tomorrow's matches, you've got Mar- uh, you've got Hertas versus Ivashka, Markora versus Lenz, Klizan versus Mahak, Karatsev versus Karlovsky, and then your final challenger going on in Ecuador on the clay. Your winners today, Martin uh, in straight sets, Baez in straight sets over Mina, and then number four seed, Haumi Munar, 6-0-4-6-6-4. He advances over Lindell. If it's a clay court match at the challenger level at this point, you should expect Haumi Munar to win it or at the very least be making the final of the event if he is in that event. And then lastly, Surindolo, 6-1-6-7-7-6 over number six seeded Varias to advance to the quarterfinals. Tomorrow's round of 16 matches going to be Sosa versus Capriva, Roca Bataya versus Escobar, Oliva versus Cabreas Peña, Dijon versus Tabilo. So it will be a fun day of action all the way around the last thing I want to mention, just two stories brewing right now in professional tennis. One, the PTPA might be over, folks. It might be a little two-month and done, and God willing, we will get the oral history of the rise and fall of the PTPA if it is truly finished. But Simon Briggs reporting that Vashik Pospisil and Novak Djokovic, who resigned from the Player Council, obviously, to launch the PTPA, are now applying to rejoin the player council. Now that info has been corroborated since in conversations with Djokovic, Pospisil, and others. Uh, yeah, look, this is a story that requires more reporting, further developing, talking to some sources. I want to sniff around. I want to hear some things. We will bring on a guest to talk about that more, but obviously the future of dynamics between uh, players and the ATP2 or WTA organization, the labor uh, the labor agreements in place. Obviously, we talked about it with Alex Virev. If there was a collective bargaining agreement, there would be a procedure in place when there is a uh, allegation of physical or mental abuse uh, because there is is none because all these tennis players are individual contractors. It leads to many different issues scaling from pay scale to uh, opportunities for these players and on and on and on. Things we have talked about before. Uh, nevertheless, this is a big development, so we'll have to talk about it later this week. And of course, we continue to hear back and forth. Will there be an Australia? Won't there be an Australia? As of right now, it sounds like the government of the Victoria province, which is where Melbourne is in Australia, are giving the green light for the event. Now, when can the players travel? 
travel to Australia, still unclear. And that is a huge sticking point for so many of these players. So of course, it is something we will continue to monitor. Again, have to do a little bit more reporting, talk to a few sources, sniff around, but we will get back to both of those storylines probably as soon as next week as we truly begin to transition into off-season mode. But of course, that's all of Wednesday's news from the professional tennis world. If you have missed any of the other action going on, maybe you want to hear about Thursday's matches, how you can get on the action with our friends at DraftKings. Go check out the Great Shot podcast. Maybe you want to hear from our latest cracked interviews guests, whether that be James Blake, Mark Kovacs, Manny Diaz, or more. You can find the Cracked Interviews podcast feed, our YouTube channel videos, and more, all of our written content on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you need those more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Flickner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out making all of this content possible shout out of course as well to our friends at midwest sports and aerobar go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use the promo code cracked 15 but with that in mind for our super producers fligner and westoff our friends at midwest sports and and aerobar and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone 